Assalamu alaikum and welcome to an episode of Taki Haqqa I'm in the building. Uh, it's uh, Idris, your host. We got Abdul Karim. Come on. And we have a wonderful guest. We have our brother Yusuf in the building. Alhamdulillah. We just got done recording an amazing episode. Very wonderful. Alhamdulillah. And we touched on so much. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, t- I don't sh- like. A whole bo- book. <laughs> A whole book Bro, subhanAllah We covered a lot I'm And gonna, there's more If I miss something <laughs> Let me know And there's more And there's more to come inshallah, And we would yeah. love to have you Come back But inshallah. Some of the things we covered SubhanAllah I think we started with uh, Da'wah Your journey uh, Alhamdulillah Growing up And wanting to give da'wah Your passion for da'wah And how that Looked like SubhanAllah And then some words of encouragement For the Muslims themselves Who are in a Grave need of da'wah themselves uh, A sense of right. guidance A sense right. of inspiration Alhamdulillah And yeah. that was beautiful and then we got to the topic of atheism and doubt. And this was a topic that we have not touched in the way we have so far. We dive deep, subhanAllah, and things like uh, philosophy. Some crazy things morals, that I found out. Philosophy, ethics. evolution, liberalism, ethics, secularism, and the struggles that us youth face, subhanAllah. Uh, and it was immensely benefit to get the perspective of us Muslims yeah. while also engaging some of the challenges that we do face, subhanAllah, daily. So Allahu Akbar. May Allah accept it. Uh, uh, and this, I uh, hope you guys... Uh, that was a beautiful episode. Allah. Yeah, and, uh, we look forward to have you again inshallah, inshallah. I'm always there Anytime you need me Allahu Akbar And make sure you guys Subscribe to their YouTube channel Come on Uplift Dawah uh, Uplift Dawah Tap And in. their Instagram And don't forget to like share. Comment And share See you on the other side Welcome to an episode of Talk Ya Haq, the podcast where we discuss the relevant topics impacting us, Muslim Western youth, to better connect with our faith, inshallah. And I'm your host, Idris. And I'm your other host, Abdikreem. And we have a very special guest in the building. We Come have on. brother Yusuf. Assalamu alaikum, bro. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, how, how are things? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Thank you so much for coming, subhanAllah. It's truly Thank an honor you, to have you, someone from the community. Uh, for those who do not know, uh, inshallah, you can share a little bit of insight as well. But you're someone here from the community, and you're the CEO and alhamdulillah, the founder of Uplift uh, Da'wah. Uh, subhanallah uh, What beautiful things You guys are doing And I just want to start off With like how this Episode idea Came about <laughs> I know alhamdulillah You hopped on the live And you gave some uh, On the live That we did on Instagram And you gave some Beautiful uh, words Of encouragement And you know We've been talking about Having you on Alhamdulillah And talking about This very much needed Conversation uh, But yeah inshallah I, I'd like to just hear From you uh, Kind of your journey And, and what you know, brought you, alhamdulillah, here in terms of uplift da'wah from the community and things of that sort, inshallah. SubhanAllah, this the story of how all this started is deep, Akhi. Mm. And um, kind of like you guys, I mean, you know, we for me, um, how uplift da'wah kind of started was um, I wanted to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I was just like anybody else, Akhi, who, you know, was just kind of with the grind of the day, you know, just chasing the dunya and doing whatever that needed to be done. And we get lost in that rat race. And so uh, one day I decided, you know, um, I want to connect with with Allah. Mm-hmm. I want to have a relationship with Allah. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be the normal routines of, um, you know, just the salah and so forth. I wanted to have a deeper connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And so one day I decided, what can I do that, I can use to connect with Allah in a way that is different from 
many other things. And what is my capabilities? You know, I'm not a sheikh, you know, and I, I like to let people know that I'm not a sheikh. Um, so don't come to me with photos and stuff like that, you know. And same with you guys. I think you guys always make it clear as well. Uh, it's important that people understand that they need to go to uh, the ulama for fatwas. And so I knew I wasn't a sheikh. Uh, and, you know, there was one thing that I was always into, which was da'wah. And uh, I always used to watch Zakir Naik, Ahmad Didat, the legends, mashallah, in the da'wah field. They've done amazing uh, things. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant uh, both of them Jannatul Firdaus. And forgive Ahmad Didat, Allahumma Ameen. And so, you know, I said, this is, this, is, this is important. This is what I need to do. This is what I love to do. And so I'm going to start doing that. And so I went to the streets. And um, literally, I took uh, some brochures. I was, I was driving at that time, alhamdulillah, um, doing the taxi at that time, I think, uh, or, or, um, or limo, one of the two. And I stopped uh, and pulled over, took out the brochures, went to the craziest part of downtown. Mm. That was by choice. I wanted to make sure that I go to a place like that to make sure that, you know, I knew no one can help me but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I wanted to build my yaqeen. And I wanted to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in such a way that I wanted to remove everything, that it was just me and him. And uh, I wanted to have that confidence in me, the yaqeen that Allah, no matter what, Allah will help me. Allah will support me and Allah will protect me. And so, I don't know, back, back, back in the days, about six years ago or something like that, Third and Pine, where the McDonald's is at, was a hot spot for drugs and gang and like gang members and um, you know uh, pimps and all kinds of stuff. And that was the spot I chose. Mm. I decided to go there to give dawah. Uh -huh. Subhanallah. So I started to give dawah over there, and uh, soon enough, Akhi, um, people started to recognize me. You know, give me dabs, say what's up. I had the kufi on, so I knew I wanted people to know that I'm a Muslim. And we started to have conversations. I started to tell them about Islam. I started to learn myself. Uh, people asked me questions. I went back home, studied, came back. I would have the answers ready the next time I saw them. And um, soon enough, people started taking shahada. The pimps, the, the drug dealers. Um, he started to take shahada. It was it was incredible. It was a, a you know a sign of approval kind of uh, for myself from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and um, and so that's how it started. Akhi. I knew from that point on everybody needed to do dawah because of what he did for me. It changed my life in a way that I, until this day, uh, I can't explain properly. Uh, the connection that I received from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Um, or established um, is, is different it's something that you can't put into words and, and so uh, I knew that I needed to do more of this mm. Allah has a way of just kind of putting that in your heart once, once you know you're sincere and once he puts it in your heart the love of it is just deep in there and you have no choice but to do it you just want to do it more and more and more and so that's how the whole thing started 
And I haven't really told too many people, I think. I think so, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. That's a beautiful story, though. Allah, mashallah. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah, it's just amazing. Now it's a whole organization. A whole organization. Yeah, now so, it's a whole organization. So, but before it was just you, you know, subhanallah. So when you talk about, like, I wonder, where were you in that in your life at then? Were you a college student? Were you uh, out of college? You out of college. Out of college. Yeah, out of college. Uh, so gro- growing up, uh, I, I'm wondering, you, you know, you were brought up here. Uh, you're from Somalia originally. Right. You know, alhamdulillah, right. Somalia, you know, alhamdulillah. you know, that's the land of, mashallah, people of the Quran and things of that sort, bring up people who are strong on the deen. And then you came here to the United States. I know you went to high school here. Yeah. So I wonder, man, like, how was that adjustment like in terms of, your connection with the dean you talk about that uh and yaqeen you talk about certainty was that something that was altered because of public education because of your school and living here in america i'm just i really want to get that initial backstory that informed your practice that's good mashallah you know uh just like anybody else uh, i went to high school here and i went to foster high school and um i lived that life of going to high school everyone knows when you say going to high school everyone understands there's an experience that comes with going to high school in this country right and um, I heard you guys talking about it in some of those podcasts as well mashallah you know there's an experience that comes along with going to high school and just like that just like everybody else I too went through that uh, difficult time Um, you know high school in in, in this country is is a time of experience Uh, it's a time of experiment right um if you go to any of the high schools until today they are set up in groups right and everyone um goes with their group the somalis go with the somalis the ethiopians go with the ethiopians the jocks go with the jocks right this is set up like that so everyone claims their their group and they they go with their group and and they go through life uh in that group and then some people uh, try to experiment by going to different groups. Mm. They experiment, you know, experiment with life. They experiment with drugs. They experiment with um, chasing after women. Mm. And they were, you know, same thing with me. Uh, it's still going on to this day. Uh, people were doing all kinds of things when I was uh, going to high school, right? Um, Alhamdulillah, to a certain extent, Allah has protected me from most of those. Um, and um, but you know, I was wild. Just like anybody else, you know, I was running around, chasing the dunya, and so forth. And so, with that experience, um, once I finished uh, the um, high school, went to college, went to Wacom Community College, and then Western Washington University, um, and then came back, alhamdulillah. And so, I started doing um, a lot of, uh, I started doing my own business, uh, doing town cars and stuff like that. Before then, I tried out, you know, doing the taxi thing. Uh, And then later on, um, I built a a really good business from uh, Town Car. I was doing limousines and stuff like that. And built a really good business, alhamdulillah. I probably had about like six, seven cars running. Um, And um, I decided to stop all of those for the sake of Allah. Why is that? Why why did you stop that business? Because I wanted to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I wanted to focus on my deen, and um, I wanted to focus on da'wah. Mm. I realized that what that was doing mm-hmm. was it was taking away from, you know, what I needed to do in terms of getting close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. And um, 
the more responsibilities you have, Akhi, the more um, the more time it requires from you. And so understanding that, um, I knew that I just needed something to, to, to make my living. And I didn't need anything beyond that. As long as I can make my living and I'm happy, I can focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can focus on the da'wah. You know, that decision came after I got into the da'wah and I had that feeling that I told you about. And um, I knew I needed more of that. And until today, I'm doing it, alhamdulillah. MashaAllah. That's right. There's a difference between Almost. nine to five and passion. Yeah. 1,500 people have taken shahada in our hands. MashaAllah. It's not a joke. It's, it's a huge, huge deal, akhi. So, um, alhamdulillah that Allah has allowed us to do it and to continue to do it. And I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for um, choosing me to do this because I'm not worthy, akhi. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> SubhanAllah. Now, this is a beautiful, a beautiful thing. You know, SubhanAllah, I remember going to high school. I remember, uh, like, for example, Alhamdulillah, my Edda, may Allah bless her. You know, she's a huge mentor for me. And I knew in high school, um, you know, we went to Marini High School. You know, subhanAllah, same things that you mentioned, some toughness there. And I'm trying to stick on to the deen, but I told her, I said, uh, Edda, like my Iman, you know, it fluctuates. And she said, that's normal. But she says, make sure that when it fluctuates, like the base is like you're on the deen, like you're on the sunnah, you're doing what's prescribed of you as a Muslim. Yeah. And in order to boost your iman so that you're doing that, she said, learn more about your deen, learn more about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in a way, I started watching a lot of those da'wah videos on YouTube and stuff like that. So here I am, a Muslim, but here I am like, <laughs> you know, listening to people like, uh, subhanAllah, like people like Muhammad Hijab, uh, arguing with atheists and, and uh, people who are arguing between Christians and Muslims and things like that. And uh, people like Ahmed Didat and, and uh, people like that. And SubhanAllah, it was uh, beautiful. Like, for example, YouTube pages like Merciful Servant. I don't know if you guys heard that. Uh, One Path Network. And... That what it did for me was Alhamdulillah strengthened my you know my yaqeen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this deen because I was learning. Uh so it's just that was so critical. And alhamdulillah now here we are, you know, alhamdulillah you're doing your da'wah. And also you asked us like offline about like our our intention behind the podcast. And although we didn't start by saying this is going to be da'wah at first, it was well, we have a lot of issues that's happening. Yeah. Especially our demographic. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the perspective that we bring as like uh, in the in this generation, Hamda, you even went to high school here, so you provide uh, insight that not a lot of people have in the da'wah. So we can touch on these topics in a way that's so relatable and relevant, while also bringing the how we've navigated that as we're actively Hamda yeah. navigating it. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, man. That Subhanallah, just hearing about your journey about da'wah, it's so beautiful. And I guess I would just love to hear about those 1,500 people that have accepted Islam. Those people are coming to you, coming to you, learning about the deen. Man, what is, I know the main topic of today is going to be atheism and, and things of that sort. What is it that they come to you with when they come asking about Islam, when they come inquiring about faith, iman, Islam? What is that? So, um, some of the ways we do uh, da'wah is um, we started with street da'wah. That was the specific type of da'wah that I wanted to do. You said street da'wah? Street da'wah. Street da'wah is um, when you take a table and uh, you set up the table in a public place, like a park. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so we started after I started doing it. I knew that we need to we needed to grow this, and I, I knew that more people needed to do this and experience this. That feeling that I was telling you about, more people needed to do this and experience mm -hmm. it. Not only that, a lot of people were ignorant about the Deen and Allah, mm -hmm. and uh, we need to tell them, mm -hmm. right? So um, we chose Pike Place Market mm -hmm. to do Dawah. I know that place, man. It's, I was working security there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a busy place, Akhi. And people come from all over the world uh, to experience that place. And so we set up a table, put the Qurans and the brochures and everything there. And um, uh, we had a big banner that says, ask me about Islam. We made some t-shirts that said, ask mm -hmm, me about Islam. I've seen that. Allahu Akbar. And we just did da'wah. People would come to us and ask us about it. Islam and, and that's what we wanted them to do and um, the idea behind that is that places like Fox News are giving people misinformation about Islam mm -hmm. and as Muslims it's our responsibility to make sure that we are um, countering that mm -hmm. and that we, we're giving people, we're clarifying misconceptions and giving people the right information. If we don't do it, who will, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who have misinformation about Islam. They think that we Muslims are prone to violence because yeah. Fox News says these type of things. Mm -hmm. And they've repeated these narratives to um, put this type of idea in the layman's heads. Mm -hmm. The people who are ignorant, who take Fox News as a literal source of news, right? And they don't fact check anything that they say. Mm -hmm. So those people... Um, and it's not just Fox News, it's, it's all of the media, right? Um, CNN and um, MSNBC, all of them are putting out this misinformation. And we as Muslims are responsible to make sure that those people who are ignorant and will never fact check those type of misinformation mm -hmm. receive the right information about Islam. Mm -hmm. It is our responsibility. It is not waiting for anyone else. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, we have to make sure that we clarify those misconceptions. And so that's why we went out there to the streets to make sure that we talk to the people and we have discussions, we have dialogues in a beautiful way, full of wisdom. Mm. You know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, call the people to my way, mm. right? With wisdom, right? Mm. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Ud'u ila sabili rabbik. Call people to my way. And we have to call people to Allah. Because shaitan is using the media and other sources mm -hmm. to misguide people and to make sure that they never pick up a Quran and look into it. Mm -hmm. Because if I make something look bad and I repeat it so often, you will believe that whatever that is, that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And so... They think that we are prone to violence. Uh, they think that our women are oppressed. Uh, they think that Islam is, is a crazy uh, religion. Our prophet is a bad guy. And so we have to clarify those things and we have to talk to the people and we have to talk to our neighbors and have these discussions, the difficult discussions. Uh, people come to us and say all kinds of crazy things, right? Um, you know, yeah, why does, why does Islam say to kill all unbelievers? Right, mm. just crazy things like that. Um, the question of Aisha's marriage to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. 
and that comes up and they say all kinds of vile things about the Prophet And you have to have a level of patience that is different yeah. when you're standing out there, you know? Uh, and, and have these conversations with these people, understanding that they probably have never met a Muslim. Uh, in fact, Pew Research just said not too long ago that, um, you know, 60% of Americans have never met a Muslim. Wow. 60%. That's a lot. It's, I'm, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say that, that it is not that they haven't met a Muslim. Mm. It is that we haven't defined ourselves as Muslims. Mm. That they have come across us, but we never show them that we are Muslims. Okay. We never talk to them as Muslims. Mm. Right? Um, and so, you know, this is, this is problematic. If 60 people have never met a Muslim, have never talked to a Muslim, uh, and the only thing that they hear about Islam and Muslims is from Fox News and CNN, uh, this, this creates a lot of problems for us. And so we, need to, we, we needed to do something. We went out to the streets and started to actually uh, talk to the people and have these dialogues. And many people, after understanding what Islam is, after clarifying those misconceptions, they came to us. They took the shahada, alhamdulillah. It's amazing watching someone um, turn from hating you mm-hmm. to in 30 minutes to an hour taking the shahada and loving you. Allah. Not because of we're, we're, we're articulate or we're capable, mm-hmm. but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who changes the heart mm-hmm. and, and, and helps that person, guides that person. And so just watching the transformation, someone coming to you saying all kinds of bad things and then after just having a really good discussion with them, right. becoming a Muslim, becoming your own brother. Allah. It's a beautiful thing, Akhi. Allah. Subhanallah. Yeah. Bro, my heart just got softened just yeah. by hearing, <laughs> subhanallah, crazy. The, the the stories that, that you subhanallah talked about. You know, when you talked about that, uh, the Islamophobia and the narratives that comes from the media, doesn't that remind you of our experience in like high school? We had, 2016 was our junior year. I think we mentioned it briefly on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, junior year where Trump became president and there was like a Muslim ban. And we did the poetry that we already talked about in our Zakaria episode, the poetry episode. And basically, we did a we did a poetry in front of like shout out to Zakari. A shout yeah, out to the brother. Come on, <laughs> so we did a poetry in front of fourteen hundred people called sure. "I uh, I Am Not a Terrorist," mm-hmm. right? And uh, Subhanallah, it was like it touched a lot of people. And after that, we built our club, the Muslim Student Alliance, in that club, and it was one of the most packed clubs mm-hmm. after school. And the crazy thing is, a after lot school. of them weren't even Muslim that came. Yeah. No, the majority. I the think. majority, yeah, honestly. But to me, right. like one thing that when you talk about Islamophobia and stuff like that, I really never really experienced it until my sophomore year and my junior year. Tell me about that. Sophomore year, I got called a terrorist just for praying. It was it was the most weirdest thing that happened to me. And then junior year, it was my first time I transferred from Garfield to Mount Rainier. I go in, I got put into a group chat with a bunch of white people and the first thing they say was just name calling from being you know a black person using the n-word and then also being a muslim they were just like oh yeah you're this and i'm just like okay it's the missing this is the school that i'm going to you know yeah. and then well I, I felt like once after that a lot of them start coming like some of those people now they look at me as like bro never mind i apologize they have apologized to me after we did those 
put the poetry and we, they start seeing and the day that we decided to there's a day that I this is why I love Mario and I'll never forget is they they allowed us to become teachers instead of yeah, students. That was, crazy. that was the best experience they I've ever had. They literally swapped places. Yeah, they <laughs> they became the students for us. They sat down. I was and, sitting with remember we were sitting with yeah. our, like our you know our kufis. Yeah. We had our thobes on. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in front of the class, and I remember walking through the hallway with a full blown thobe. Somebody says like yeah. Whispering yeah. jab, I said, "Whoa!" I looked back. I said, yeah. "Yo!" And then when we actually got in the classroom, people started asking us interesting questions, yeah. and you could tell they were eager. They were like, "Oh my god!" Like you could tell there was a pressure inside them. But here, there's two sides. There's two sides. They want it because we live in a really progressive area, right? Yeah. So it's like these people they suppress some of what they've been told. So they're like, "Okay, I want to think of them as good people, but I've been told all this." So yeah. it's like I'd rather like hide it than say anything. And I know there's, and I love how you talked about it's our, we don't present ourselves as Muslims, visible Muslims to let people know that we're Muslims. And, you know, a lot of Muslims I'll see, like, they'll say like, I don't want to be, I just want to be a student. I just want to be a a working professional. I don't want to be a representative of Islam. Well, I'm curious because your field of da'wah, this is interesting. What's your take on this for those Muslims? Whether we like it or not, we are ambassadors for Islam. Mm. Period. Whether you like it or not, as long as you have the worldview of Islam, you follow Islam, you live Islam, you are a representative of Islam, you are an ambassador of Islam. Each and every one of us is an ambassador. And we need to we need to have that in mind when we are living our daily lives. Mm. Whatever you are doing, whether it is sinning, or you are um, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or just working and, and, and li- living amongst your colleagues, we need to remember that we are ambassadors of Islam. And your actions need to correlate with what Islam permits. And so people are going to look at you, they're going to see what you are doing, and then they're going to say, okay, well, if he's doing this, his worldview must be allowing him to do such a thing, mm. right? Because that's what we live. We live our worldview, right? Mm. And so, um, you know, our, our um, ethics, our morals are all under the um, worldview, mm. right? Islam gives us our morals and gives us our ethics. And so if you're going against the very ethics and morals that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you because you're sinning, you need to remember that people who don't understand Islam, who don't know anything about Islam and what Islam teaches, are looking at you and they're saying, okay, well, that must be Islam. Mm. And so we need to pay attention to that as Muslims. And we need to follow the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we sin, because we're humans and we're going to sin, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we protect that from the people that see us because we are ambassadors of Islam. And, you know, let the sin be between you and Allah. Do not expose your sin. Mm. Do not put it out there. Because people are always looking at you and they're seeing what you're doing and they're uh, translating that to something that Islam is allowing you to do it. So my answer to that is, Akhi, um, carry ourselves um, as representatives of Islam. As long as we are Muslims... We are representatives of Islam and we need to um, carry ourselves in such a way, inshallah, because we are representing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Islam. So um, 
and, 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 and be mindful that people will see you and, you know, um, they might not come to Islam simply because of some actions they saw you do. They'll say that, I don't want to, you know, uh, have those type of ethics. Um, if he's doing this, then Islam is not protecting him from it. So why should I come to Islam? And so um, indirectly, they might, you might be blocking someone from actually becoming a Muslim. Which is a very dangerous thing, if you think about it. May Allah protect us from it. Ameen. Ameen, no doubt. You know, subhanAllah, it just makes me think about the opposite as well. Like a person who's practicing, like even me, subhanAllah, although I'm a Muslim, I see brothers like you, I see brothers like uh, Sheikh Fuad, I see brothers like students like uh, Brother Musa, Brother Fahad, all these brothers that I hang out with, mashallah, I look at them. And I'm just like my iman gets lifted because mashallah they're they're sticking to the deen and alhamdulillah they're they're the what how they carry themselves is just so inspirational. And when you talk about those who are on the opposite, you know those people who like sin. And alhamdulillah I'm on the deen, so I know what Islam says is permissible and not permissible. But when you have people who you know openly sin, and this even reminds me like when you talk about conceal your sin, it tells us how many like we have hadiths about this we have narrations about the concealing your sins versus exposing your sins and we can think about Allah Alam the wisdoms of this but I can only imagine this is one of the wisdoms subhanAllah because exposing your sins in front of you know non-Muslims you know people who think oh maybe this is his values you know <laughs> maybe this is what he finds okay but uh, subhanAllah that's a beautiful reminder for us all just to um, inshallah you know get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stay away from sins and the opposite is true right right uh, you know with us sitting and everything and the fact that we need to hide our, our sins to protect the people as well and to protect ourselves because remember Allah does not forgive sins that are not hidden right that which is hidden is between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the moment you share that with everyone else in the world that's not forgiven, right? So Allah might not forgive it, and Allah knows best. Uh, but the opposite is true, that if we practice our deen the right way, and we reflect our sharia, and we reflect uh, the character of the Prophet wasallam, I always tell people that Islam is such a thing that I compare it to <clears throat> like the light in the middle of the darkness, and the people are like the flies that run to it. SubhanAllah. What do the flies do when they see the light, Akhi? They, they always to come it. to it. Right. It's like that. Islam is like that. The moment you start to practice those you know, values, uh, people start flocking to it. They want to know what this is. They want to know where this beautiful character and this light is coming from. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that fitra starts to um, become reawakened, right? Uh -huh. Um, and, and you know everyone has the fitra. The Prophet sallallahu already told us that we are we are on the fitra, all of us, mm -hmm. and the children are born with the fitra. And then later on, as they grow up, it's the parents that misguide them, and society that misguides them. Um, but what that does is it it covers the fitra. And so when you start to um, practice the values of Islam. You share with people and you discuss with people the truth about Islam, you start to unveil the fitra. Allahu Akbar. And the moment you start to unveil the fitra, those people recognize the truth. The soul recognizes the truth mm -hmm. of Islam. And they want to be with that. They want to connect with that in any way possible. Mm -hmm. And so I say that because the, the opposite is true. And 
uh, we need to make sure that we practice in front of people, we pray in front mm. of people, we we carry ourselves with the values of Islam, and we share with people this beautiful, beautiful uh, religion of Islam. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah. This is beautiful. The fact that we're talking about da'wah and, and this things that certain. Before we pivot into like more about, you know, alhamdulillah, atheism, talking about things like this and doubts and things of that sort, yeah. I want to add in that you talked about people who have the idea of uh what you call it them practicing and people start gravitating towards that person right because they have the light of islam in them but you know subhanallah this also a reminder that some of us you know we start doing that and maybe people start getting pushed away from us yeah. there's that opposite uh extreme side and that you know oftentimes you see uh, often and i think it's it's worthy enough to highlight like people who you know they become more harsh instead of more gentle with the Muslims, right? They more they more aggressive, and and I think it's because that passion that they want to show people the light. They're trying to pour force people into this. Uh, hey, no, don't you see this? And that's what happens to a lot of us. Alhamdulillah. Once we see the nur of this deen, it's like, brother, what are you doing this haram for? What are you doing this zina, this drinking? You just want to tell them stop, you know, especially when it's people you love. But you have to understand that guidance is from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. No. All you can do is embody those values. And allow the people to see it shine through you and see how it informs your life. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I do the best that I can. And by the virtue of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, people have come to me and they've given me praise that I don't feel like I deserve. But the reason why they say that is because alhamdulillah, look at what you're doing and it's associated, everything is associated because of me practicing the deen to my best of my abilities. And some of that, some of those days, it's not, it's not how I would feel, uh, uh, pleased and content with I feel like I should be doing a lot more but because that effort is there alhamdulillah versus not making any effort mm. then subhanAllah what, what is there for you after that subhanAllah except darkness except confusion except misguidance and hurt and turmoil subhanAllah and wallah every time I think about my jahliya days and not practicing on the deed wallah I get sad I get uncomfortable because subhanAllah bro there's no there's no goodness no there's no khair in that there's no barakah in that life so people want light, people want guidance, people want direction. Yeah. Well, light only comes with tawheed and, and worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's true. And if you want to add on that. Part. What's it called? Even to like, before we even started, I was looking at your website and stuff like that, looking at like your whole idea was like, I said, what is uplift, uh, why uplift, uplift da'wah? Sorry if I pronounced it yeah, wrong. Yeah, you got it. What's it called? Um, and to me, it was something that was so interesting was you guys not only try to convert what's it called non-muslims to become muslims but at the same time you guys stick with them throughout the journey of being you know right. what i'm saying the new beaten the new muslim people that just became muslim right. you stick with them through the journey of just understanding everything you know mm-hmm. and then me i was just talking to Dries not too long, like about that and i was like man that had so dope you know what i'm saying and that is very helpful and i was like man imagine if we had that in our own communities where it's like not only the uh like the new muslims even the people who are born Muslims, mm. in my opinion, I feel like a lot of us have a lot of struggles of just knowing what to do. You feel me? Going from uh, what's it called, making wudu. Some, uh, to to be honest, some people don't know how to make it. Exactly. Like for me, like I was born Muslim, but I was never taught so many different things. I didn't. The first time I went to Jum'ah was when I was a senior. 
I was a grown man going to first time Juma, uh, learning how to make wudu. Well, I would watch YouTube learning how to do it. You know what I'm saying? And just self-teaching myself. And I was like, man, right. imagine if in our community, yes, I would love everybody to get help, but imagine the people who are more Americanized but who are born Muslim that don't really receive that help. And they're just out there just, yeah, I am a Muslim, but they don't know what it means to be a Muslim. You know what I mean? And that was the conversation I was having with them. I was like, man, that would be, and I feel like that's what Talkie Hakkana is. It's like when we, all of us share our experiences, it's like you share from what somebody is probably going through right now at the moment. And it's like, man, I want to go through it the same way he did because everybody has their own journeys. You know, so that was that was the beautiful thing I liked when I was reading one of the. Akhi, to 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 add on to that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's two things. One is that we need to start teaching our our brothers and sisters about the basics of Islam, mm -hmm. and we need to do da'wah to them. Mm -hmm. One of the things I believe that you guys are doing well is that you are speaking to that audience, mm -hmm. and when you know when this idea for the podcast came up we were having that conversation yeah. in the live yeah. and one of the things that i told you guys is specifically that i said you know kudos to you guys because you're having this type of discussions and you're bringing it to the right audience our brothers and sisters that are uh, young that are going through their journeys in life yeah. um, that are facing difficulties they need to hear these type of things mm -hmm. and so that brings me to the next thing which is um, do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Mm. No matter what you go through in life, no matter how much you have sinned, mm -hmm. do not lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises to forgive your sins even if it is everything that is within the earth and the universe. Yani. Mm. The mercy of Allah and the forgiveness of Allah has no bounds, Akhi. Mm -hmm. As long as uh, you are still breathing, no matter what sins you have made in your life, um, you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and don't lose hope in Allah's forgiveness. Call upon Him sincerely and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises to forgive you. So you touched on this uh, when you were speaking, Akhi. And one of the things you said is that people come short uh, and they sin and they go astray. All of us at some point in our lives came short of the expectations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for us. Mm -hmm. But we need to remember that we were never created perfect. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He was creating us, He knew who we were. He knew that we would sin and He knew that we would come short. It isn't about falling. It isn't about you know uh, coming short. It isn't about um, making mistakes. It isn't even about the sin. It's about the return. Allahu Akbar. That's the important thing. With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He doesn't care how much you sin. It is the return. Because remember, Akhi, for those who do not return, the only reason why they don't return is because they, they think that they are self-sufficient. That's deep, Akhi. Think about it. Mm -hmm. When you think you are self-sufficient, you think that you don't need anyone. But what you have to remember is that your sins, they don't affect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does it mean to be the Lord of the universe and everything that is in it? 
the creator of the heavens and everything that is in it. When you sin, it only affects you. It doesn't affect Allah. It doesn't when you worship Allah, it doesn't add anything to, to him, his power. Allah has everything. He's not in need of any one of us. Rather, it is us who is in need of him. So when we sin, it is us we sin. We, 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 we cause dhulm to. We sin against ourselves and we, we harm ourselves. We sin against Allah, but we harm ourselves. And so when you harm yourself, and you know, because of your sins, because of the things that you have done that, that goes against what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded of you, and you harm yourself, you need relief. Repentance is the relief, it's the medicine that we all need because we are sick, and sins make us sick. And so, um, we need the medicine for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And Allah has granted us that medicine through repentance And so when we repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We are receiving the forgiveness of Allah And we are receiving the medicine through it Right And so you cannot live without repentance Period There's no way And when these things compound upon you The sins It starts to create Real, spiritual, and physical problems. Mm. And many people try to explain these spiritual issues through physical um, signs. Mm. And you can't do that. Mm-hmm. When you need spiritual healing, nothing physical will help you. Right, and so, and 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 often we forget that we are spiritual beings who have a body, not a body who that has a spirit. spirit. Right, and so we focus ninety percent on our bodies, physical bodies, mm-hmm. how we look. Right, we get the best fades, Allahu Akbar, yeah. the best clothes. But what about the spirit, Ari? What about the soul? Mm. What are we doing for the soul? And if we're not nourishing the soul and we're not trying to take care of the soul the same way we're taking care of the physical, we're compounding issues that will come up eventually. And when you try to fix those problems through other means other than by going to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repenting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will only make matters worse because they'll give you drugs for all of the issues that you're having and that just creates even more problems for you physically right so may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us but i want to make sure that you know the brothers and sisters that are listening to us it is incredibly important to remember that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to come back to him you are not created perfect come back to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he can give you allah is waiting for you to come back to him you take one step towards Allah, Allah will take ten. So Allah is waiting for you because you're only harming yourself, not Allah. So Allah wants to relieve you. He wants to, He wants you to come back so He can have a relationship with you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us. We know that through the Prophet wasallam. He says, Allah loves us that much more than a mother loves her child. Right? I think it was about 70 times more. So... Allah loves us. He wants us to come back. Allah does not like harm for us. He wants us to be close to Him 
because that is the best place for us. And um, when we live our purpose, when we live according to the Sharia, we are living the best way. And, and that is when we are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are protected and we are forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's where our soul really wants to be. It wants to be there. It wants to be close to Allah. That's where it's like at its best. And so when we go away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember, never give, give up hope on Allah. Come back to Allah. Repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and, and get back to where you, you are at best which is being close to Allah. That is so true, man. Because I felt like when I was going through like my tough time, like 2019, when I was just like depressed and stuff like that, I tell, I remember I told him, I was like, bro, like I sit there hours and just cry and be like, why me, God? Like, why do I have to go through this, you know? SubhanAllah. And I remember I seen a video of a guy saying like, I, I don't know, I, I can't really precisely say how he said it, but he said like, he asked himself. He said, "Why do why do I go through this stuff? You know what I'm saying? And why did why did God put me through this?" And he said, "The reason why God does that is because He puts only His strongest what's it called believers uh, yeah. through uh, what's it called trials and tribulations. And although he said, although you cannot see God, your heart where that that belief that you have in Him still wants to believe that He will guide you at the end of the day to the right path because He only puts you through this situation to get you to the next level." And there was a video you sent me the other day that I seen like a very inspirational video. You were like, like, stop sitting there and just crying about it. Like, why me? Why me? No, go towards it and be like, God, okay, this is what you put me through. Now, please guide me and take me to where I need to be. Can I give you an analogy on that? Mm -hmm. A beautiful analogy that I like to use sometimes, and I'm going to try to be uh, as coherent as possible, is um, or articulate as possible is the, we don't understand how Allah does things. Mm -hmm. Because we, can, we, we, we don't know the future. Mm -hmm. Allah knows the future. Yeah. Allah knows the past, the present, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Because Allah is outside of time. So, you know, we don't understand it. And Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us through situations in order for us to realize what we are capable of. Mm. I'll give you an example of the father who takes his child to swimming, to the swimming pool. And he, when he takes him to the swimming pool, he goes there for maybe a week and he trains his kid how to swim. And then... Um, that he knows and he's aware of something that the child is not aware of, that this child is ready and prepared to go on his own, to swim on his own. But um, the child does not understand it. So a father possesses a wisdom that the child does not. So he takes the child and he takes him to the deeper end. And then he releases him and moves away from him. Now, this is the first time the father has done this to him. And so in that blink of an eye, all that the child can think about is how his father abandoned him. Mm. At that moment, that's all he can think about. And so to that child, the father has harmed him. The father has done him wrong. The father has abandoned him to die. 
but the father has wisdom that the child does not. And so the moment the child realizes, okay, well, now no one is coming to me. I need to start acting. I need to do something. His training kicks in. His experience kicks in. And he begins to swim until he reaches the open arms of his father. His loving father. Until that moment... Even if, even maybe after that, the child does not still possess the wisdom. So he thinks that his father abandoned him. He's yelling, screaming, and, and crying. How can you do this to me? Why did you do this to me? But the father understands something that the child does not. Mm. The father knew he was capable. But the child did not. And so we sometimes fall into this type of situation where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts us in a specific situation designed and perfected for us mm. and only by going through that difficulty do we realize our capabilities and um, uh, grow our capacity mm-hmm. and reach our potential and so we need to realize that the difficulties that we go through sometimes like the depression that you went through made us who we are how many of us have realized after two years of going through difficulty that that was the best thing that ever happened subhanallah we need to recognize that we don't understand the wisdom of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that all we need to remember is that allah loves me allah wants good for me and everything that allah does even if i don't understand it there's good in it for me inshallah that's very true. You're not lying. Cause that trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then after now, just realizing, like, after everything that I went through, I was like, man, thank you. Because I wouldn't be the person I am and, like, how resilient I became and how tough my skin became just because of just knowing how to deal with certain situations. Like, it's, subhanAllah, it's crazy. You know? Fact, Zahi. SubhanAllah. It's the, tr- it's the truth. It's like you have, you have to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His wisdom. It's like sometimes you need uh, something to happen to you that you necessarily wouldn't sign up for. Mm-hmm. Like for example, yeah. uh, you had, like maybe you need an operation that you didn't want this operation, this surgery, or you didn't want to take this medicine when you were a kid. You were kicking and screaming. But you know your parent knew better. They knew that this was going to do you good. Mm-hmm. And alhamdulillah, they make us into who we are, yeah. more holistic human beings, subhanAllah. Uh, but subhanAllah, you know, some people don't believe, you know, this is, uh, I, I know that you hopped on the live and you said, Dries, you know, something I feel that is important is the idea of atheism. You know, alhamdulillah, from this whole time that we've been talking, we've been talking about the perspective of, of those who have iman. And, you know, alhamdulillah, a lot of our audience, this is what's going to do them good. It's, yeah. alhamdulillah, they already have the iman, you know, they believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. But then there are those who do not. And, you know, alhamdulillah, I know that you're working with a lot of these people. You're t- calling them to Islam. Why is it important for you to talk about atheism, uh, even for an audience that may necessarily, you know, be raised in a Muslim family? Alhamdulillah, I mean, have Muslim names. Or converted. What was that? Or converted. Oh, yeah, or reverted people, reverted right. to Islam. Yeah. Uh, why, why is that important for you to talk about this topic specifically? Atheism, why is that something? That- so we live in a liberal secular state Mm -hmm. and um, the state follows as a value system the liberal value system Mm -hmm. right and um, although there are overlaps sometimes um, you know it's not the same right and so uh, a lot of youth uh, they don't understand this 
and they live this life, they go to school, and if they're not educated in their deen, they run into a lot of issues. Yeah. Uh, because the 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 um, the value system that they live under, mm -hmm. that they grow under, that they are indoctrinated through, is the liberal secular value system, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, at some point, they're gonna clash. Mm. And many of the youth are not prepared for this clash when it happens. Mm. And so a lot of youth are facing doubts. Uh, there are plethora of misinformation about Islam, um, uh, apologetics against Islam, uh, misinformation. Mm. And, you know, even though this is uh, mostly affecting the um, non-Muslims, and they're taking all of this as truth. This is also harming our youth. Many of them are taking this misinformation as well because they don't understand the true information about Islam. And so we have an issue, a rising issue of atheism in our communities. Um, some people are leaving Islam. The ex-Muslim community. The ex-Muslim community is growing. Um, and, you know, they, there's many, they're, they're, they're given da'wah. Mm. The ex-Muslims are given da'wah. Some of them are Somali. They speak Somali. Mm. And, you know, they're, they're out there preaching, um, and, you know, against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and against Islam. And, you know, they, so the youth are, you know, they're cut in the middle. They don't really have a lot of knowledge in their deen. Yeah. And so they're hearing all of this misinformation. So it's important to educate our youth, our brothers and sisters, about what this ideology is. Mm -hmm. If when if we do do if we do actually educate them about that, and we do well uh, in that goal, mm -hmm. I believe that a lot of them will look at that and say, "Okay, I know about this. You're not teaching me something new. Whatever you're calling me to is nonsense." Mm -hmm. Um, and so I have Islam, although I might not understand some of the answers to the questions that you have, yeah. it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, right? Um, and so I think it's important in that sense because of that issue, because some people are leaving Islam, because there's a lot of misinformation about Islam and, and some of the youth who don't understand their deen well yeah. are accepting this stuff and they're having doubts, a lot of shubhat. And um, we need to clarify some of those misconceptions by going to the root and helping people understand what this is. What is atheism? Mm. Only when we clarify those things and we show them what atheism is, can we have a, a, a real conversation then because we've blocked that road. Mm. We need to block that door. If we block that door, then it's easier to have a conversation because now they are waiting to understand their deen better which is what they should do anyway. They should go do a research, talk to the ulama, uh, people of knowledge, mm. and clear their shubahat, their, their, their doubts, right? Um, you know, and so unless we do that, I think we're going to continue to have uh, bigger problems. Subhanallah. Okay, right away, this makes me think of something. Uh, when I was at, getting my AA at Bellevue College, I took a course for one of my electives, uh, titled contemporary moral issues <laughs> and 
you know, alhamdulillah, I came back from Hajj. Abdi, we were going to school together. We were commuting. Mm-hmm. This was after graduating high school. That summer, alhamdulillah, I had the blessing of going to Hajj. I came back, you know, alhamdulillah, I was wearing the kufi to school. I had, I had the tusfah around my yeah. neck. <laughs> I was doing the most. And, you know, I was visibly Muslim. And I remember being in the uh, uh, in the class and they were talking about a lot. SubhanAllah, they were talking about, it was titled Contemporary Moral Issues. And they were talking about arguments of morality. Yeah. And they were talking about ethics. Mm. And they were rationalizing ethics without the premise of belief. Mm. Right? So they were saying, you know, we're, they said right away. I know there's a lot of Christians here because it's, you know, Christian. They didn't even mention Muslims. They said there's Christians here. And your morality is rooted in your, you know, belief. That is, uh, I think it was something along the word of divine something. When you try to posit divine, um, divine command Yes Perfect So it was divine command So he said We're gonna He'd even elaborate He said What you guys are using It's called divine command Wiped it off the board Now we're gonna talk about uh, Marxists uh, John something John Locke And these guys Who are like the founders Of liberalism mm-hmm. What happened to divine command We're gonna cut it off Because we're not gonna Take it seriously mm-hmm. We're gonna argue Based off uh, Premises uh, um, clauses and all this and it was interesting and I was like wait a second and there was a specific topic um, let's just I, I, this is gonna be I don't wanna this is really controversial so I don't wanna get striked down off YouTube and stuff like that I'm really but let's just huh we don't have to get into it too much yeah, yeah I'm just gonna touch the bait just <laughs> just so people get ahead they were talking about a, a, a community that is very prominent in our western that's uh and they were trying to posit moral arguments and there were some christians and some people who believe in god and you know we have a religion that says something about this and uh basically the teacher said well you know we you know instead of you know beheading people this is what he said instead of beheading people this i swear he said this instead of beheading people we could just give them sex education that's what he said and i sat there and i was like whoa whoa and i was like you just like came after a whole group of people just like that just like that Mm -hmm. and it's like they belittle you know people of iman people of faith people of uh you know even the people of the book like the christians the jews uh and they dismiss them because of the secular liberalism and subhanallah it's just crazy because you just I, i don't even know necessarily where i'm going with this but just what you mentioned right there is so true because here I am going to a university and I know there's some people that say, look, if you are a person of low iman, don't even go to university because of how much indoctrination is present. Some sisters are indoctrinated with like the third wave feminism that has made them look at their hijab and say, am I being oppressed? You know, there's some, there's, wow, this is happening. I'll tell you, uh, there, there's, there's a couple of things that are happening right. that we need to realize. Um, a lot of the universities and uh, colleges right. are some of the teachers, most of the teachers, I would say, are people who don't believe. Mm. Okay? And there is a real effort to push the liberal value system mm-hmm. onto the world. And it starts with the colleges and universities. If the teacher who's teaching you Mm -hmm. 
is an atheist teacher and they're always going to teach you through the worldview of their worldview. They're going to teach you through their worldview. And so whatever you are learning, you're learning it from his eyes and it's going to be biased. And so when, you know, uh, there's a real effort out there, Achi, to try and um, remove religion mm-hmm. from campus, mm-hmm. to try and re- remove religion from the government, to remove from society as a mm, whole. Eradicate it. And that's where Completely it starts. Completely eradicate Education. It. Yes. And it starts there in education. Everyone's got to go through college and, and, and university. That's where they get you. Right. If you are not equipped with the knowledge of your deen, they're going to get you there. And that's where most of the people, that's where most of the people are, are falling victim to these doubts because of the effort. And this effort really came about, um, you know, uh, I think it was 1994 or something like that when the uh, um, literary revolution took place where a lot of the new atheists started to push this uh, uh, thing towards colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the atheism existed for a long time, right? But what's new is the neo-atheism. Mm-hmm. And neo-atheism, uh, the people who are leading it are people like Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, and mm-hmm. uh, the late Chris Hitchens. Um, and so the ideology here, the, or the idea here is that uh, we need to eradicate religion from society. Mm. That religion is absolutely bad, it's horrible, and we need to completely uh, remove it from society as a whole. And what they do is they use universities and colleges to accomplish their goals. And then, of course, it, through media and, and, and other platforms. And so um, a lot of our brothers and sisters are fallen victim to these teachers who stand in front of them who are expressing their biased views mm. through their worldview um, and are sharing it with our brothers and sisters who are not very knowledgeable in their own deen. Mm. And they're using things like philosophy and so forth to try and create doubts in their hearts and then uh, plant seeds. Mm. And so we need to make sure that our brothers and sisters are knowledgeable in their deen first and these ideologies as well and what they are mm-hmm. so that they are equipped to deal with these type of things when they go to college or universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there's a reason why you face that right. because this has been the point uh, for these people mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, they want to eradicate it from uh, schools. Mm-hmm. They want to eradicate it from society and you're going to meet teachers like this who say these type of things mm-hmm to try and um, create doubts in the hearts. Right. Mm. SubhanAllah. You know, this reminds me of, you guys know about a brother by the name Muhammad Hijab? Yes. SubhanAllah. MashaAllah, amazing brother. You know what I'm saying? He, SubhanAllah, he is, you know, he has some wonderful conversations with non-Muslims and people who have uh, different ideologies. And he actually uses their game against them. And I know that's a point of contention in the Muslim community. Should we use philosophy in our arguments and stuff like that? Or should we just stick to, you know, alhamdulillah, just our premises? Mm -hmm. But I did find it beneficial in that he was able to articulate, uh, you know, our values, alhamdulillah, in a beautiful way. But also turning their values on their head in their own own game. And he was putting premises 
in, in using philosophy um, to argue things like biology, things like uh, the natural sciences, things that are they they can use empirical evidences. But alhamdulillah, like you said, the spirituality comes first. But for those people who don't believe in a soul, don't believe in a higher being, even though that is in our fitrah, you know, some of them, they need a reality check just by showing them how their own logic is extremely flawed in the, in, a, in of itself. So subhanAllah, and, and how it's creeping into the, into the youth, they feel like they can't go to people about this. Am I a bad Muslim? Am I a hypocrite? Am I X, Y, and Z? And it's it's unfortunate. And what is your take on that? This should Muslims be openly going out and asking questions, or should they just repent to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and turn back to Him and and not speak of this? What is your experience? You know, I mean, this is a real problem that we need to realize, right. um, within especially within our community um, and the Ummah at large. A lot of people don't understand what's happening, and so when our parents realize that you're having doubts and you're starting to ask difficult questions. Some of the things that some people used to do is, you know, you need ruqya. Mm-hmm. This is the shaitan. Um, surely there's waswas that's connected to this, but, um, you know, they don't understand it. They don't understand how to answer these difficult questions. Mm-hmm. And so they say, this is shaitan. Say, I would be I would be And just, you know, Forget about it. But the reality is, this is way more difficult than just simply forgetting about it. This is going to stick with you. Doubts are very dangerous, and the shaitan is. Shaitan loves this, and he uses it very well, right? He makes it bigger and bigger and bigger until um, it's overwhelming. And so we need to um, help our, our brothers and sisters who are having these doubts. Um, uh, in answering their difficult questions and clearing these doubts from from their hearts, mm-hmm. um, and you know, if you have, if people do have questions and they do have doubts, don't be afraid to 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 go to someone who's knowledgeable, and um, and 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 ask them, right? And don't feel like you're going to be ostracized or um, people are going to look at you the wrong way, because your dean is more important than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's your worldview. It's what you live through. Um, and you know, uh, you you want to preserve your connection to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Nothing else is real except Allah, yeah. al-Haq, the truth. So you want to go to the source, Allah, and you want to reach out to people who are knowledgeable in these areas to 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 have a discussion with them and make sure that the doubts are cleared out. If you allow the doubts to stick around for too long, the Shaitan will use it. Uh, and um, make it so that, it, 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 you know, it, it gives you difficulties in every part of life, mm-hmm. right? So we have to go to the people of knowledge, and we have to clear our doubts. Mm-hmm. And our, our, our shiuchs, um, may Allah bless them, um, they have to understand uh, where these doubts are coming from, what these doubts are, uh, and um, they have to be able to, to clear it, inshallah. The one thing that I want to say is that, um, you know, some people, uh, there, there is a contention out there. Um, I think it's less and less now than it used to be uh, in terms of using falsafa, philosophy. Um, but it's, it's, it's reasoning. That's what philosophy is. It's to reason. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many places in the Quran tells us, do you not reason? Do you not reflect? Do you not ponder? Right? The simplified terminology or, 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 or definition is simply to reason, right? When Ibrahim salam was reasoning with his people in terms of, you know, should we worship this or no, I don't want to worship this because this goes away, the sun goes away, the moon. This is reasoning. You see what I'm saying? And so uh, if that's the case, if, if, if that's what it means is to reason, then surely we can use philosophy because it, it is uh, a way of reasoning, right? And, um, you know, and I, I think it's important to understand that the philosophy of now is totally different than philosophy back then, mm. uh, when it started to create a lot of problems for a lot of um, Muslim scholars. Um, and so I do understand there's a contention, uh, but I do believe that it's important as well. Mm. SubhanAllah. Before you go, before I go, do you want to say any, any, anything to that? Yeah, yeah. Subhanallah. I know that one thing that we talked about in the, in, in you know, just again. You sure you don't have no time? <laughs> we're we're at an hour and twelve minutes. Okay, Alhamdulillah, perfect. Uh, Subhanallah. Okay, there's a red dot on that camera. That tells me that that camera is getting a little bit hot. But I think we have about twenty minutes, inshallah. We're able to go, inshallah. Bismillah. You know, Subhanallah, with what you just talked about, philosophy and stuff like that. In that course that I took, uh, one thing that we talked about was uh, objective morality versus uh, moral relativism, right? Something of that sort. And it's basically like objective uh, morality is like, this is inherently wrong from what I remember, okay? Uh, you know, I took that class a couple of times, let's just say that. <laughs> so, because uh, your boy was struggling. <laughs> but it's basically, it, it's just, it's one plus one. It's just how it is. You know, this is inherently wrong for what it is. And then there's objective more, uh, relativism where, you know, depending on where you are, you know, this can be, uh, you know, okay, not okay. And so that this is a point of contention for a lot of philosophers. And I remember we're reading literature about some things that some practices that certain people do. And, you know, America, uh, we tend to, and other, you know, uh, these Western, uh, very developed that they try to tell us, well, they'll go and try to empower and instill human rights, right, uh, in these other lands. And subhanAllah, it's, it's, it's always ironic to me because when you think about it on a practical level, uh, the states that we're living at, you know, you just go back 60 years, you go back 100 years. Do you want to talk about morality then? So it's like the, the more, our morality in the West, where we try to put ourselves on a pedestal in terms of human rights, where just not too long ago, you know, we were, Allah, I'm not even say we, man, we came from Somalia, you know, you know, but the people inherently here, the white man, right, subhanAllah was doing the most insidious of practices to the people, the most clear human rights violation, and now is ironically championing human rights, you know, they call the, uh, the, uh, the, the savior, the, the white savior going and trying to spread human rights, and I know that Muhammad Nur talked about this. He talked about how a lot of Western youth are saying, well, you know, some of the stuff that Islam says, you know, this hadith, this thing, it doesn't align with my Western sensibilities. But the thing that they don't 
yeah, some people will say that. Oh, wow, you know, a sister, can, you know, it's preferred that a sister prays at the house, you know, that, you know, she does this or, you know, that this is a, this punishment, you know, if, uh, if you do this sin, that there is this punishment. Wow, that sounds a little barbaric. Some people will say this because it is not aligned to their Western sensibilities of which we've been indoctrinated. But what people don't understand is that Western sensibility that you got ha is, is relatively new, if you think about it. This is not something that's inherently, oh, my God, this is so wrong. You know, no, this is something that, you know, a uh, hundred years ago here in the same educational institution, they were not teaching this. They were teaching something quite the opposite. You would have probably been championing human rights if you were born back then. You know, think about slavery and genocide of the Native Americans and things of that sort and colonialism. Uh, and this is something to be cognizant of. Instead of putting the white man and, and the Eurocentric ideals and values on a pedestal over your Islamic values, that does not change, that is stagnant, and it serves the best for human being uh, to, to be good for your spirit, for your physical health, everything. Uh, so subhanAllah, I... I don't really have a question. It's just a statement that I want to bounce off you guys, that Western sensibility that people struggle as a point of contention between their values and the Western values. You see? You want to add to that, inshallah? Oh, me, but I'm just listening and soaking <laughs> all <laughs> everything no, mashallah. in. MashaAllah. No, this is good. Uh, so there's two things that you, you, you mentioned, um, and uh, I want to try and cover both. Uh, in terms of the value system that is held in the Western world, right? And um, instead of saying white, I like to say Western, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because there's, there's a lot of white Muslims and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so I like to use that term, the Western um, world. And the liberal value system, the most important pillar mm -hmm. is um, don't harm, mm -hmm. the no harm rule. That's mm -hmm. the main and most important pillar. As long as you're not harming someone, then you can do whatever you want mm. okay and this is where the freedom is is derived from and so when the most important value that you're holding to is don't harm someone but you can do whatever you want to as long as you're not harming someone uh that's not what islam is teaching mm. that directly conflicts with islam because islam the value says you can we can no islam limits your freedom for the protection of society, right? Because Islam tries to build a cohesive, uh, harmonious community, society, country, right? And so if your freedoms are interfering with society and it's creating, it's, it's, it's damaging the uh, harmony of society, Islam has to protect you from society. That's the, that's the that's the beautiful uh, thing about Islam, mm. is that it's balanced in mm. every direction you look, yeah. because the values that Allah has given us is timeless. Mm. So it's it's balanced in every direction you look at. See, when you create values yourself, which is what the liberals have done, uh, you're always going to run into uh, problems, mm, right? right? And you're not going to see the, the there's not a lot of balance. Uh, if you fix it from one side, there's always going to be another side. I'll give you an example. The this and this goes to our second point, which is objective morals, right? Uh, and I want to try and cover that, inshallah. So, what is wrong with 
if you ask this to an atheist uh, or someone who believes in liberalism, what is wrong with um, two adults, a mother and a father, having a relationship mm. as long as uh, they, they use protection? Mm. Well, what is wrong with it? There's nothing in the liberal values that there's nothing wrong with that. A mother and a father? A mother and a son. Oh, okay. A right. mother and a son, mm. a mother and a, a father and a daughter, as long as they are of age of consent and they use protection, there's absolutely nothing because there's no harm. Mm. Incest, basically. Things incest. like incest. Yep. Incest. There's so, no harm. Right. If there's no harm and they are consenting. Look at that. And there's protection. Oh, you've yeah. covered every area. Right. Because the, the protection, no of course, is because someone said, oh, you can have deformed That's babies. Right. That's right. So you could be harming somebody. That is exactly right. Right. Now there's none of that. Right. So there's no issue. Mm. You see, so the only reason why they're not doing it now is because it's taboo. Mm. But taboo. 100 years from it now. Look at that. 100 years from now. Mm. That won't be taboo. And I guarantee you it Allah, will not be that taboo. Allah, Allah. 100 years from now. 100 years from now. May Allah or maybe us. even 50 years from now that will not maybe even less the than same that. thing Abdi that he's saying A'udhu Billah Subhanallah Abdi they were saying that 100 years ago 200 years ago facts facts um, the group that you were talking about earlier uh, same thing 100 years ago 50 years ago that was they were put in jail killed all of a sudden now if you even say something about it you're done mm. right so uh, that's where it's different for Islam. Divine command mm. is that we receive our morals and ethics from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. That Allah is good and goodness comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, when we say objective, I like to define things because sometimes it, it gets confusing and people don't understand it. When we say objective, what we mean is that it is independent of us and it's true. I repeat, it is independent from us and it's true. Why does it have to be independent from us? Because if morals are created from us, it's subjective. Mm -hmm. My What is good for me is might not be good for you. And that's what's happening a lot of the time. That's People exactly are imposing right. subjective things that they believe about themselves in an objective way. That's right. On us. That's right. SubhanAllah. That is exactly right. And this happens every day. Atheists who do not have objective morals, right? Because it, it, their, their morals can't be outside of them. It cannot be independent from them. Because if it is independent from them, that, that means they have, they have to have a God. An independent being who's outside of themselves, who gives them those commands. They don't have that. An atheist does not believe in God. And so the reality is that it cannot be independent from them. You see, society can create their own morals right. in which uh, the, 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 the members of that society have to live by. Right. Like the government can, can, can uh, impose those rules and enforce those rules right. of morals upon them, mm -hmm. right? Which is what's happening now. now. Yeah. And so, but that can change. Mm -hmm. You can go to court, challenge it due to the um, pillar that we talked about in liberalism and say, what is, why is this wrong? Mm. The only thing you could say is this is taboo because mm. there's nothing wrong with it in liberalism. So you have, the court has to let it go. Right. And that's how values are completely destructive. Mm. 
in our society. And it's only taboo when the general public views it as taboo, when you have a jury in a civilization that sees it as normalized because of what? What we talked about the educational institutions that have already brought us about in this way where, hey, this is perfectly normal. Matter of fact, you know, this is you know, good. We should, you know, this. So how can you enforce something that's taboo if people, it's normalized to us? So it's, it's, and also I want to add this on as well. Um, when you talked about the no harm principle, it also makes me think about something I learned called util, uh, utilitarianism. Mm -hmm. It's another w thing that a lot of the liberals premise their, their values and their ethics on. It's the, the, the principle of maximize yeah. pleasure That's right. and minimize as much as you can pain. That is the human experience. Well, when you think about that, <laughs> when you think about that, that it's so problematic because if you do everything that's pleasurable to you and we do everything that's all pleasurable to us, there will be no difference from a civilization and a jungle. There will be no difference. We will be so backwards in our, in our actions and our civilization. It's following desires. Look at that. And subhanAllah, when you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the way he created us, knowing our fitrah and the what's best for us, he knows our nature and gave us a, a, a way to live our lives, a deen, a way of life that we can live our lives according to something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with and something that is conducive to living the best lives that we can live. But for us, when we dismiss that and disregard that, there's only chaos. Mm -hmm. Tend to forget yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, first of all, equates one life to all human beings. If you save one life, it's equivalent to all human beings. So the value that Allah has given you me uh, is that we are we are so valuable that we are equivalent to all human beings mm -hmm. one one life the value of one life and so we receive our values and our values are grounded uh, on Allah mm -hmm. our objective morals are grounded on Allah the issue with uh, morals in the liberal ideology mm -hmm. is there's no grounding the atheist has no grounding. He doesn't have anything to ground it on. And so um, some people will ask you a simple question. They'll say, what, what are you saying? Are you saying that an atheist does, cannot be moral? Mm -hmm. No, I know a lot of great atheists mm -hmm. that are good human beings. Mm -hmm. The question isn't whether they can be moral. Mm -hmm. The question is, where do they ground their morals? Mm -hmm. That's the real question. Yeah. And um, there's, no, there's a grounding issue. They don't have anything to ground it on. And if you don't have anything to ground it on, you have to accept the, the, the reality that all your morals are simply subjective, mm. right? Um, and what you ought to do is also subjective. Mm. Uh, you don't have to do anything. If, if you know, atheism is true, then the best value uh, of life that we should follow is selfishness. Mm. That's what it should be. Right. Because you're going to die soon. Mm. You have a short, limited time. Right. And you should seek the best pleasures mm. in life. Mm. YOLO. Right? right? And so um, that should be the value that they should strive for mm. in reality. Right. But like you said earlier, all you hear is what's happening here, what's happening there, that you shouldn't do this, this is immoral here. What, what do you mean? Where are you grounding your, your morals? Mm. We agree with you that some things are, that people are doing are absolutely horrible, right. but where are you grounding your morals? Mm. What gives you the right to say to somebody else in another state, another country, that their morals are wrong because they're doing this, this, and that? 
when you yourself don't have any grounding for your own morals. Atheists do this a lot. They talk about everything that's happening in the world. Um, they talk about religions and they say these are immoral. Uh, but what do you mean? If, 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 if your morals are subjective, yeah. then they are limited to you and to your society. You have no right to go to another society and say that right. my morals are universal, mm. therefore what you're doing is wrong. Mm. You can't do that. Right. You have to stay within your limits um, you know, and, and understand that their morals might be good for them and your morals might be good for you, mm -hmm. uh, but you don't have any way of actually putting that on them, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so this is, a, this is a real big issue. And the, the, the reality is that atheism leads to nihilism. Mm. Nihilism is the um, the idea that you there that no values are true. Mm. The conclusion to atheism. Listen carefully, Achim. The mm. conclusion to atheism is nihilism. If you live your life truly as an atheist, yeah. you have no choice. Honestly live your life as an atheist. You have no choice but to live a life of nihilism. And nihilism requires that you abandon all values. You destroy all value systems. Wow. Because if all is subjective, then nothing is true. Mm. Right? That means everybody can just simply create their own illusory morals. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And um, William Lane Craig compared this to going to the street, uh, knowing that there's a car coming but closing your eyes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, it's illusory. Mm. Uh, trying to make up your own laws is illusory. Just because I give a meaning to the universe doesn't mean all of a sudden it's objective. That meaning is objective. No, it's, it's the meaning that I give to it. Doesn't mean anybody else has to take the same meaning for it. Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Same thing with purpose. Who gives you your purpose? Right. If all is just, you know, uh, subjective, then your value system, your morals, everything, your ethics, they are all subjective. Yeah. Right? So this creates a lot of problems. And nihilism is the conclusion to anyone who lives their honest atheism life, atheist life, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people need to understand this. And uh, it's creating a lot of problems. You know, subhanAllah, I think it's, I think what you said was extremely profound. But here's the thing, and I think this is interesting to tie it in there because, uh, like, I like to add some nuance to the conversation. Let's say some person may say, well, hey, we root our values or our logic based off of empirical evidence. We root our things on uh, things that we found, things like evolution. Like Allah, but a lot of us yeah. have been indoctrinated. They have that graph. We've all seen the graph. Yeah. A chimpanzee yeah. and then a, a little hunchback guy. And then the guy standing with a hairy chest. I seen one meme where he said, turn back. You, you, we got to go backwards because, you know, they're tripping uh, over there. Uh -huh. So there's, there's that audience. And there's an audience that may say, hey, well, the same thing that you guys are saying. It's like, well, we're, they're saying is, you know, what we believe is true. And we're championing that us Muslims. We believe what we're saying is true and we're championing that. We're spreading that. That's a doubt. To we're me, spreading that it was as well. a question that I always had for them is like, how do we go from chimpanzee to slowly developing into a human, but there's still monkeys in this world? That <laughs> oh, makes that's what no Cat sense. Williams, I think yeah. Cat Williams said that before. Yeah, I was like, that made no sense to me. So when you hear, when you hear stuff like that, 
Uh, have you come across this before? Yeah. And what have you used? Because we know we are the children of Adam, uh, We know that we were created uh, direct from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and uh, you know. So, how do you rationalize this argument <coughs> that they pose? So, um, first, there, there there are two ways to look at this. Uh, there's two issues here. One is that there's assumptions. The um, atheism has a lot of assumptions. Uh, evolution has a lot of assumptions. And we need to take apart the assumptions mm -hmm. in order to get to the root of the issue. Uh, for um, Due to lack of time, um, what I would say is that there's no issue. Science does not have any issues with miracles because miracles is a metaphysical thing and metaphysical things are outside of the physical world. Mm. Science only deals with physical world, so it has no say in miracles. There's no issue with miracles. We believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam and we are silent about everything else, mm. right? Adam, all the way through human beings, we believe that Adam and uh, Hawa are miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created them. But we don't say, we stay silent on what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't tell us, right? The problem is a lot of people make up things and they, they add things to the Quran. No, stay silent on where there's no saying. Let them do their research. It will continue to change. That's what, that's what science is. Science is a tool. And we Muslims love science. And so let them do their science. We can do science, you know. A lot of, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of confusion that Muslims might not like science or run away from science. No, yeah. the method that we use today, the scientific method that we use today, is credited to Hassan ibn Haytham, who created that method, uh, and a lot of Western uh, academics credited him uh, for starting that. So Muslims have no issue with it. The only issue is that we understand that it has limitations. Mm. It has limitations. It's a beautiful tool. We love to use that tool. But, but it's just a tool. But it's just a tool. Mm. Don't try to bring that into uh, your aqidah all of a sudden. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it will keep continue to change. And the beauty of science is that it keeps changing. Mm -hmm. What was accepted 200 years ago will be challenged today. And all of a sudden, it will be completely turned. Mm -hmm. Right? The theories keep changing. The th you know the, the what what, for example, we thought that the universe always existed. Mm. Then we discovered the Big Bang, mm. and all of a sudden, after two hundred years of believing that as a fact, right. we had to go back and say, "Oh no!" Now we had Big Bang, therefore the universe did begin, and there was a, a specific mm. time that it began, right? So if you think about it, a lot of the youth that are having issues sometimes. All you need to do is just look up the example that I just gave. Mm. Realize that for 200 years, people were looking at Muslims and saying, your Lord does not know science. Mm. Because he says that nothing else existed and that the universe was created mm. at some specific time. Yeah. And so he doesn't know science. Mm. Because we have the truth. We know what science says, that the universe always existed. And therefore, your Quran is false. For 200 years, people have been saying these type of things. If we took science on board as, a, as an aqidah, right. as part of our aqidah, we would run into a lot of issues. Yeah. So what we need to do is we need to separate the two. We need to understand that the science is simply a tool. 
It has a lot of flaws. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of good. Mm -hmm. And it continues to change all the time. Mm -hmm. Right? And so once we understand that, no matter what comes up, right. we will understand that, okay, that's just science. Right? Mm -hmm. I have the Al-Haq, mm -hmm. who's the source of all truth. Allah, mm -hmm. subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. And tools for us to search the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Science will help us understand the how, Allah will help us understand the why, mm -hmm. right? right? Just because I understand how uh, the vehicle, Chevy vehicle works, mm -hmm. doesn't mean I understand the agent who created it. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So the study of the universe, mm -hmm. the world, should lead us in reality to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It can only cover so much. Exactly. Subhanallah. So I think that's important. I think yeah, I think part of that is very, very important, and that's why a lot of like when I talk about uh, those people who have contention with using philosophy and things of that sort, they think this is why because it can become problematic when you try to use your reasoning. Like for example, uh, some data comes over and they come up with archaeology. They see a fossil. They do a three D imaging, and it looks like a some kind of hybrid human. And there are people like okay, don't use your logic. Stick to the stick to this deep because there's going to be a lot of confusion. You know, Subhanallah. There's people saying the This is the time of uh, uh, delusion. Yeah. This is the time of uh, deception. And uh, Subhanallah, what better time uh, for deception than this era? Subhanallah. And I think now more than ever, we have to be more vigilant to holding firm on the the Deen of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. It reminds me of a, a, a hadith from the Prophet who said there will come a time where holding on to your religion will be holding like on a burning clay. People feel ashamed. People burning feel scared. Mm -hmm. People feel uncertain. So they feel hesitant to hold on to this. It's painful at times. It's uncomfortable when everybody adheres and values something that's completely contra contradictory to what you hold. And that is our era, unfortunately. And I think although there's going to be there's going to be some scientist guy with a PhD who will tell you one thing, we have the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who we believe is the author of all existence. Mm -hmm. Tell us another And when we look at that We say I believe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Because how complicated Are we as human beings You know We're looking at Looking at us We're just miracles Subhanallah And as much as we try to Rationalize in a biology class There's no rationalizing Our existence Subhanallah So um, I think that is essential You know I think this might be A two part episode But I really would Like to ask you uh, Inshallah To tie it all together what message would you like to leave our our youth, uh, the, the, our audience, uh, those who are out there, especially as we lead towards Ramadan and trying to hold on to the faith? What is something you like to tie it all together, inshallah? And then can I add like a follow-up yeah, question? Of course, of course. It would be um, what advice or like how could someone like me or Idris or anybody that's in the audience join Uplift Dawah to help people become Muslim? MashaAllah. So um, before I get into that advice, I want to go back to what we talked about a little bit earlier mm -hmm. um, because we, we cover a lot of topics. And so I want to make sure that the, there's benefit in some of the things that we do talk about. There are two different ways to look at evolution. Um, and we talked about that a little bit. There's evolution and then there's Darwinian evolution. These are two different things because Darwinian evolution has with it mechanisms, right? Um, and so... Evolution just simply says that there is difference in with time, that there is um, changes that happen. Adaptations. Adaptations. We don't have issues with this. 
we know that the pigmentations of the human beings changes according to whether they are close to the sun or they're far away from the sun. So these changes are normal, and this is evolution, right? Um, macro evolution. So uh, what we have an issue with is the Darwinian evolution, which claims that, um, you know, uh, or a, pe a lot of atheists, they use it as a tool to try and disprove is Islam or religion as a whole. But in reality, they know that uh, uh, this does not actually mean, even if you don't like believe it, it doesn't mean that you're out, you know, you're, 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 you're going to become a, a, an atheist right. simply because you believe in uh, uh, evolution, right? right? Just because you believe in atheism doesn't mean you're going to automatically become a, an atheist. Richard or just Dawkins, because you believe in evolution doesn't mean you're going to become an atheist. That's right. right. Yeah. Simply because you believe in evolution does not mean that all of a sudden you're going to become an atheist. Just like that. And I want to add on top of that, just yeah. real quick, sure. uh, just to add, I think it's logical because when you talk about adaptation, some creatures, they have, adap they have a unique advantage. For example, you talk about height. Talk about the way people store fat or pigmentation. It allows them to survive in their environment. And because they survive in their environment, they're able to reproduce. And that's why you find these species, they thrive more. But then you're talking about another thing, Darwinian evolution. I'm going to let you continue. That's right. Darwinian evolution comes with its own mechanism. Um, and it uses that mechanism to try and uh, say that we don't need God. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but... Richard Dawkins himself, he said this. He says that um, we, we understand that just because someone believes in a, uh, evolution does not mean that they will automatically become um, an atheist, academically speaking. Mm. But he says the public, though, they believe this, and so we need to push this. Mm. You understand? Because that, that's the, there's, a dis, there's a disconnect between the academic world and the YouTube popular uh, speakers. Right. Right? They, they, a lot of the, the population don't really understand uh, what's happening there. And so uh, miracles, there's, science has no say in miracles. It's, it's a metaphysical thing, uh, and science focuses on physical things, material things, right? right. Um, so we need to be clear on this, uh, that um, we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam, and we believe that that's a miracle, and science has no say in miracles, right? Um, it, has, it has no issue with it because it, it doesn't even deal with that stuff. And so, and everything else, you know, we keep silent as long as the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, keeps us silent. Um, as long as He doesn't talk about it, we don't have to actually, you know, uh, propose in these new things that Allah didn't talk about. We just, we keep silent and say, keep doing your thing, and we'll see where this leads you, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to point that out and make sure that people understand that, right. number one. In terms of the advice, uh, there's so much to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much we haven't dealt with. And you're right, this might have to become uh, a, a second part because we didn't even dive into it. Mm -hmm. The idea that um, uh, people will come to you and they will say, um, you know, prove to me God exists. We hear this all the time in the streets. I want to I want to make sure that people are prepared for this, that they know how to answer this. We didn't even get into this. There's so much that comes with that that we need to get into it. But just to touch on that, when people, you know, the definition that atheists give to atheism now is the lack of belief in God. That's what they define it as. 
That is wrong. That is wrong. Um, and Anthony Flew is the guy who created this definition. And when he was asked about why he created this definition, it's because he says, I needed to get rid of the burden of proof. If the atheist does not have the burden of proof, the only person who has the burden of proof is the person who believes in Allah, uh, God, and they have to prove that God exists. Mm -hmm. So that's what he wanted to do, and he was successful for a very long time. People caught up to it now, alhamdulillah, right? Um, so the, the, another issue is that most of the people who ask these type of questions believe that the only way that, that science is the yardstick for truth. They believe that science is the yardstick, yardstick for truth. That's not true. There are many epistemic paths to reaching the truth. And one of them is uh, rational arguments. Mm. Rational arguments, right? right? Um, so, for example, um, we can argue uh, by looking at the world and realizing that, you know, everything is dependent, we are dependent, the light is dependent, my phone is dependent, everything is dependent on something else. Yeah. And we can ask the question, uh, that thing that everything is dependent on, dependent on, is that thing dependent on something else? And if the answer is yes, then the second, the question after that has to be, what about that one? Is that thing dependent on something else? Mm. You will continue to go back until you reach an independent being that everything depends on and he is dependent on none. Mm. It's the necessary thing. Otherwise, this, um, you know, uh, this thing will continue to go back and back and back and it will never end, yeah. right? right? And so, and there has to be an ending because we have this moment mm. of time. We are living in this moment of time. And if you, let's say, for example, we are a domino and we start the domino and we say, let's see how far it goes back um, because we have this moment, right. there will never be an ending. Mm -hmm. So this moment cannot exist. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Right. The domino will keep falling forever, yeah. infin in infinitely, which means that there, was an there has to be a stopping point there for us to have this moment. Yeah. You understand? Right. So who started that? Mm. Who started all of this? And so we need to ask that question um, that, that, you know, that everything that is dependent is dependent on something else. Uh, and that everything, whatever that, whatever that independent being is, mm -hmm. that's who we call Allah. Mm. That's who we call God. Mm. That everything makes sense right. only when he exists. Otherwise, nothing makes sense. Right. Because all your, you know, then you're going to end up just saying that everything is dependent. We're all dependent, everything is dependent, and we're dependent on something that is dependent, which makes no sense. Yeah. Right? Um, and the infinite regress is what we need to stop. Mm. We, in philosophy, you can't have infinite regress, something that just keeps going. There has to be an ending point, there has to be something that starts it. Right. Otherwise, it's just absurd. Mm. Right? And so, in that argument, important. the audience can look up. Is I think it's called the contingency argument. That's correct. Mm -hmm. right. That's correct. The contingency argument, uh, or independent, uh, the dependent independent argument, um, you will find it uh, uh, with those two names. But you know, there are so much to cover in that sense right. um, that we'll have to go back to it, inshallah, some other time. But in terms of the advice, Akhi, 
um, I advised myself first uh, and then everyone else. Um, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the explanation of everything. Mm -hmm. He's the reality, the only reality that really exists. Yeah. Everything else is fake. fake. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. Mm -hmm. All of this is going to end. And we are nothing but a maggot food. Mm -hmm. Maggot buffet. Mm -hmm. That's what we are. That's the reality. That's the one thing that is for sure true yeah. is that we are going to die. Kings die. Billionaires die. Right? Everyone dies. The young dies, the old die. Right? Um, and we need to realize that this reality is waiting for us. And that the only way to have a good life here and the hereafter is to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he's the absolute truth. And when you understand that Allah is the absolute truth, mm -hmm. everything else has to come under him. That the truth can only be found with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The human endeavor, we use many tools to try and discover how Allah has created things, how Allah has created us, how Allah has created the universe. This is what helps us to understand um, this creation that we are. But the only explanation, the only true explanation, and the why can only be answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so we need to seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we need to connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the source of our lives, the source, source of our uh, souls, the, the source that we are all going to return to. That's the reality, mm. not what we live. This is the delusion. This is a short enjoyment. And so we need to realize this and we need to realize that we're going to go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether we like it or not. Mm. And we're going to be judged by everything that we do. So make what you do good for you so that it helps you in the hereafter. Mm. Do good deeds now and return to Allah often so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you the ultimate gift, which is Jannah. And that's what we're all striving to. Uh, this is a short amount of time. And the way you can look at it is this. Take a rope. Say on this end, it's infinite. It's forever. And then the tip is red. Just the tip. But the other side goes on forever. That little tip is the dunya. That's it. That short amount of time you live in this world, that's the little tip. Don't sell the tip, right, of the rope for an infinite happiness, mm. right? A lot of people will take this as the only truth, only reality. They'll waste their life for this short amount of time. And then when they meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they'll deal with the reality that th that is the true life. Mm. This is the test. And so live this test Connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you make a mistake, don't lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ask Him for forgiveness. And inshallah, Allah will forgive you. And um, we ask that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us mm -hmm. and uh, grants us uh, He grants us a Jannah. Mm -hmm. Allahumma ameen. Ameen, ameen. Subhanallah. 
Allahu Akbar, that's a beautiful reminder for myself first and foremost. And alhamdulillah, I'm sure that is an immense source of immense benefit for those listening, inshallah. I would just like to thank you, and subhanAllah, I'd like to, subhanAllah, thank you for all that you're doing for the community, for the ummah, for the service that you're doing, alhamdulillah. Uh, may Allah reward you immensely. I just want to say jazakallah khair for the work that you do. I mean, jazakallah khair. And um, the question that you asked, Akhi, how people connect and volunteer, yeah. uh, you can go to ablifdawa.org. Um, and um, there's a volunteer application that you can fill out, inshallah. That's one way to, to get involved. Yeah. Um, there are many ways we're an organization now, so there's many facets, many things to do. Um, so it doesn't mean that everybody has to go to the streets and do da'wah. Um, we can take care of the new Muslims. Um, if you have knowledge and you want to teach the Muslims, we can start something up where we teach the Muslims, inshallah, like the basics that you were talking about. Um, inshallah, we can help the organization. We have a studio as well. Inshallah, you guys are going to come one day. Yeah. Um, and so we can do reminders and videos to soften the hearts of the people, inshallah. And we have, they can go to YouTube, inshallah, uh, our YouTube to check that out, inshallah. And um, if they can, it would be dope. If they can support that ch those channels, inshallah, our YouTube channels, uh, YouTube www.youtube.com slash org, and same with our Instagram, uh, um, it's uh, org as well, inshallah. Um, yeah, y'all go support there, that. Yeah, y'all make support. sure you rock with uh, Taqiyah. Go ahead, support the organization. Uplifdawa. Shout to help the Muslims. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah. This was a beautiful episode and a source of immense benefit. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. So, inshallah, we'll see you guys on the other side on next week. Assalamu alaikum.